Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. This week, we're going to take a little bit of a different um, tact and talk about um, neurodivergence and money because it is quite an important topic. If you've been following following some news recently, you would have heard uh, that ex-Liverpool uh, footballer Jermaine Pennant has been declared bankrupt. And when he gave interviews to talk about how this is possible, I mean, he's a footballer. He's earned thousands upon thousands, millions of pounds during his career. How do you end up being bankrupt after earning so much money? He, he, he blamed ADHD um, for his lack of ability to interface with money specifically and not being able to make good financial decisions. He even forgot that he, that he, that he had a house in Cheshire. Now, how you forget you have a house in Cheshire, I don't know, perhaps speaks to the volumes of wealth that he had acquired when he was a player. It's a nice, very nice thing to forget you didn't have. But anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about money and ADHD and just generally neurodiversity, because I think it's really, really important for us to understand whether or not our mind actually has an impact on, I guess, the money decisions that we make. And um, I have an expert, okay? I'm just going to read out the accolades here, okay? Her name is Crystal McGilvery. She is the founder of Mind Over Money. She is a behavioral finance specialist. She's a mentor, coach, also a chartered accountant, but she's also um, recently just won the award as the British, the Great British Business Awards Rising Star. So I've known Crystal for some time. It's a pleasure, pleasure to have her on again. Crystal, thank you for joining Thanks, me. Thanks, The way you read that out, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and just before we started recording, um, if you're listening to this, and especially if you're watching this on YouTube, I kind of said, well, it's been, we've known each other how long now? What, three, four, three yeah, years? Yeah, I think maybe? for sure. Yeah, at least three years. Like your accolades have grown big time. Like the list has got really, really long. So, and it's nice to see because it's all about progression and evidence of progression as well. Yes, and I, and I can get quite aggressive with that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> And so, and so you should, you worked for it, it wasn't free. So give, your, give, uh, give the viewers and the listeners a brief in, intro to you. I definitely haven't done you justice in that little brief accolade drop. Right Thank there. you. Um, I guess to bring it all together, my area is finance, behavioral finance, understanding how the mind works and how it affects your financial decision-making. Um, and of course, like the topic today, neurodiversity and how that influences what you do with your money and you as a person. So I talk a lot about confidence um, my company mind over money does work with organizations and individuals on their finances and we focus a lot on the psychological aspects of your financial decision making not just kind of here's a bank account go and open one um and then on top of that i'm yeah. a board director for two charities um i mentor i'm part of plenty programs offering mentorship and coach um and i draw always put that in there because that's all that work stuff but i have a bit of fun too <laughs> all right so let's jump straight in yeah. What what does when they say neurodiversity, what does that actually mean? Because it's quite broad in terms of what it actually covers, but what does it mean for those people who may not know? Yeah, it's it's a it's a word that I think majority of people are not familiar with. It's there's been so much more attention on it recently, which I think is wonderful because that means people are getting support. And basically it's a 
It's a difference in the way that your brain functions cognitively uh, in terms of the wiring, how things connect up, what um, has high activity, low activity, all of that is slightly different with people who are neurodiverse, which then as a consequence, as you can imagine, affects your behaviors. So affects what you do, whether it's socially, whatever it is, so that it starts in the brain fundamentally. And if we, you know, in terms of understanding where it came from, no one's given a definitive answer, but you could think, or we think genetics play a part, kind of trauma as well, kind of what you experienced as a young person. And then, like I said, the brain differences where we see, you know, when we do scans of the brain, we can see that the activity in a neurodivergent person is different. All right. How so? How different is it? I mean, because obviously, as people, people are individuals. So you would imagine that brains don't necessarily have the exact neural pathways. There will be some, but I guess there are patterns that will emerge when you sample a large number of people in a in a group. So how different are the the scans of the pathways when you find someone who's got a neurodiverse uh, condition? Yeah, it's a good question. And in terms of the brain, when we do certain things, certain parts of our brain are supposed to be more active, for example, and other parts less active. For example, if you're trying to be um, get something done and focus on a particular task, a certain part of your brain is supposed to quieten down to allow you to just zone in and focus on that. And I'm sure here, those who are listening who do have ADHD and understand the issue with focus, that must be like a light bulb moment to you. Fundamentally, it affects the executive function of your brain. So this is things such as your working memory, your ability to plan, time manage, all of that stuff is affected specifically in ADHD, as I think we're focusing on here. But if we think of other um, neurodivergent types, maybe autism, it maybe affects your ability to socialize and, and how you relate and understand signals. And um, again, going back to just the brain activity and how it differs to the neurotypical person. So that's the other. That's really, really interesting. That's really, really interesting. I, I, I did sciences in school, so I find this really, really fascinating. And the ideas of, actually, I would love to see a scan. I would love to see, actually, I'd love to see my scan. Because I think we were talking just before we uh, press record here, um, that there, obviously there are different conditions. So you've got ADHD, you've got autism, which you've already mentioned there. Dyslexia, I think, is one of them as well. And I was just sharing that this week I recorded my, my audio book. And... Um, you'd never think that reading was so, so difficult to do. And in my case, and I haven't taken a dyslexia test yet, and maybe I should, because in my case, what I do is because my brain is so, it feels like my brain is firing. I don't actually read the words. I, I read a collection of words and then I try and make sense and connect them. So even when I'm reading something that I wrote, <laughs> I know what's on the page, but I'm not reading the words and I'm then substituting words because in my head, I'm formulating what I know that I meant. And it, it, it meant that it took longer than it needed to. I got really frustrated with myself and I probably do need to take the test. And I'll be interested to know whether I do have some form of dyslexia at what age 43 if I do find out that I do but I know that you've had your own experience of this as well yeah and I mean hearing you talk about it and like we said just now I mean I feel your stress and I get it so yeah I was diagnosed when I was doing my master's and it started with a similar thing I was reading a bit of text and I had to answer the question it was a question basically and you know um 
where you're sent a link and you, you answer anonymously via this link. And then we talk about it kind of mm-hmm. two minutes later. And three weeks in a row, my answer was completely different to everybody else in the class. And there's like 30, 40 of us. So I'm like, okay, there's a serious issue here. Crystal, are you okay? Are you drunk? You didn't drink last night. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I genuinely, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, and I, I share this and I'm, I'm, you know, happy to talk about it, but I was actually worried because I thought if I'm getting the answer wrong, what you know when I do the real examination surely the same thing is going to happen so yeah I went to seek support not thinking anything about dyslexia or ADHD um but you know they guided me through the gentle process and hey why don't you do it anyway there you are yes um and and it's interesting because like we just you know touched on and what I've achieved you know I've got a bachelor's I've got a master's I've got a SEMA qualification which is equivalent of a master's and I've done all these things and people are often like, how are you good at finance? And you've studied so much and you've got dyslexia and ADHD. Yeah. And this goes back to the whole conversation of neurodivergence and the lack of understanding. It shows up in so many different ways. I love numbers. I, I found a way to tackle numbers and be great at it. And my dyslexia doesn't affect that. My dyslexia specifically is with memory and um, I've forgotten processing of information. So I don't hear it very well and I you know I assume and I jump so it shows up differently but I can I can read and write and I don't have problems so mm. it's really interesting and I love talking about this because um, it gives lots of people light bulb moments yeah it, it's really really interesting because I mean what we could go on to talk about in a moment is how that actually impacts our um, financial decisions and the decisions we make with money yeah um, I wonder though I'm interested to know this because I think for a lot of people who would be diagnosed with something like dyslexia, for example, right? Um, if diagnosed early, do you feel as though you've been able to do all the things that you've been able to do and not knowing that you had that was a strength? Or do you think that maybe it would have held you back had you have been diagnosed earlier? Really good question. I... I'm very proud of what I've achieved and I will continue being aggressive. But I think I would be silly to say if this wasn't, if this was diagnosed earlier, I would have achieved even more, done even better. My, my scores at school and stuff are not wonderful. They're good. They're okay. They're, you know, I've got to Warwick, you know, wonderful, but I've not done a star across the board. And I struggled a lot, whether it's socially or actually with the work. And there were lots of tears lots of breakdowns, you know, I had to reset my final year with my bachelor's. So I struggled for sure. And it's interesting because hearing me say that, I'm like, and no one ever thought to to do an assessment, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, I had some real Mm -hmm. struggles. So for sure, I think if that diagnosis came earlier, I would have had so much more support. You know, I say that ignoring the times and, you know, how things have got so much better, but I've got, you know, um, nieces and nephews and godchildren who are being diagnosed as young children and I can see the change in their support and it, it it almost opens up a door for them to actually do more and not kind of sit in their struggle and kind of give up and and again you know as much as I'm sharing my story here and talking about my achievements remember it shows up differently in different people so the sexual is, is like the name but some people struggle so much more and that support can be really really amazing 
Interesting. So why is it that we have, if sticking with ADHD, for example, as, as a case in here, why does ADHD mean that sometimes it's difficult to make decisions, particularly when it comes to finances? Because again, going back to this example of Jermaine Pennant, he blamed his ADHD for not being able to, you know, look at this stuff and pay attention to stuff and be able to make the right decision. How does that actually work in, in your experience around the decision-making process, taking in the information where you need to make decisions with something as important as money? Yeah. And, and that, this is like the, the magic question, right? Um, there are so many ways that ADHD shows up in your day-to-day -day life, right? Um, whether it's you ignoring something because it's, it's too much to bear, or, or impulse, for example, we can easily see impulse spending. That's like an, an easy kind of um, um, connection. Or forgetfulness. You forget. Mm -hmm. This is what we're talking about with Jermaine, right? He, he, you forget. It's easy. Mm -hmm. Or, And if we, and I'll, I'll list some more in a sec, but going back to possibly the reason or the causes of neurodivergence, being trauma, some kind of an emotional attachment, we often, or some of us, forget things because of some kind of emotional situation going on there so emotionally we don't want to deal with it um you know it affects it affects timekeeping if we think of autism there's meltdowns and shutdowns and in those times imagine you've, you've shut down so if you had a bill to pay or something to do you're not you're not dealing with it um you're not there yeah you're, there, you're not there or a, a lack of attention to detail you know if we look at budgets and what's required there and money management and that's where you know, apps are really amazing. And there's so many of them because this is a common issue, you know, across the space of neurodivergence. And so something like forgetting your house, it yeah. sounds crazy on paper, right? What? You've forgotten this massive building, <laughs> but actually take away the grandness of the size of the the material that, that you know, he's not, he's going about his day-to-day -day life. That then becomes a distant yeah. memory of something that he's not involved in every day. So it's easy to forget that. And then obviously you're, your finances are affected. I think it's really interesting where you put it there in terms of it manifesting in different ways and being um, perhaps a byproduct of trauma and because it manifests in different ways and based on your your background, your experiences, so on and so forth, it means that it will flare up at different times for different reasons. And so whilst we talk about and laugh about the fact that he forgot a house, he forgot that he had a house in Cheshire, it may just be that he was going through a very, very stressful time during a particular period where he needed to make a few financial decisions and that he's got a house in Cheshire just completely escaped him because he just needed to focus on maybe a coping yeah. mechanism to help him get yeah. through a certain yeah. period. And I think when when you say this and we talk about this one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that we always say that personal finance is, is mm -hmm. personal right and being able to identify from a personal point of view that when it comes to the the decisions that you make and the choices you have in front of you it is personal to you yes number one but it's also very very personal to the circumstances that you're in at any given time in order for you to make a good decision and I think that's really really an important message I think uh, when we when we talk about this 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 issue yeah you're spot on and you know this uh, this term I like to use is called boundary rationality which is where you 
you, the listener, the viewer, you, P-U-I, we are, as we are right now, a complete result of what we've seen, what we've done, what we've experienced, what happened this morning, you know, what we've eaten and how that's affected, you know, us physically. All of those things get you to where you are right now and how you act and the decisions that you make are a result of all of those factors. And this, you know, I, I, I've been speaking a lot about empathy recently and understanding yourself or accepting yourself and relating to others. Because it goes back to that, you know, there's so many factors that go into someone doing something or saying something or whatever it may be. And we need to have empathy with ourselves and with other people and, and bring that to the forefront when we're trying to understand people. Mm, I would agree with that. I think the world, it feels as though the world lacks empathy now, though, to be honest. I think social media has this whole facade on, you know, this is what is kind of uh, is expected. And then people want to obviously there's bravado on social media and it's a shame really because I think you kind of lose sight of the important things you know at the end of the day we're people yeah. with our own struggles and everyone has a struggle it's not about looking good just for the sake of looking good for the gram it's actually being attuned to what the circumstances around you and and appreciate that everybody goes through a journey and even when you're struggling you're going to have to call on somebody you're going to expect empathy from somebody to help you get through yeah and it just makes me think about the whole finance space um and i think we've talk, talked about this before and the approach to people's finances that some people are really quite harsh you know we all make mistakes i get things wrong all the time you know i'm not going to sit here and say oh it's my adhd i i'm a human whatever that means i get things wrong as do you all of us um and that's okay you know it's it's i think more importantly it's all about you trying to be better that's it no matter where you are um, and then I think that's an important thing to kind of have at the forefront in this discussion when it comes to neurodiversity, ADHD, even if you are diagnosed with those things, it doesn't matter. It's more about you understanding yourself and then, okay, financially, where do I need attention? You know, for me personally, where are my bad habits? What am I struggling with? What am I afraid of? And then going out and trying to sort those areas. For the work that you've done now then, do you think that there are any um, meaningful coping mechanisms specifically to help people with um, neurodiverse conditions to help them interface with money and make better decisions with money because I think a lot of the time it it's all going to be about coping mechanisms and maybe picking a, a particular time when you have the capacity to take on that information to be in the headspace to make those decisions. But what have you found to be some good tips or, or things that people might find useful? Yeah. I, I like that part. There's a part of that question that I really liked about ensuring you're in the right frame of mind. You're in the right state to whether it's plan your finances or spend or, or whatever it may be. I think maybe the first thing that, that sticks out to me here is being self-aware of what's going on with you. Are you feeling upset? Have you just, has something happened where you're feeling you know, emotionally drained or um, high or low or whatever it may be? And it, is that possibly affecting how you're behaving right now in life? Obviously here we're talking about in your finances. And I think that's something that's really key and, and often you know, people aren't taught about money management, obviously, hence why your channel exists and it's amazing. But taking a, a moment to pause and, and assess yourself and understand, okay, what's going on for me? 
psychologically, you know, what kind of habits am I portraying here? What is it I'm doing with my money every week? And then, okay, what is it I want to do? And really getting clear about what what's going on. And, and that we don't naturally do. We don't naturally, okay, I'm going to sit down and it's not a thing that you learn at school. Your, your parents are unlikely to teach you to do that. So that's you don't put it in the diary and be like, I've got a date with myself you to don't. you know figure out my money situation. You should, but we should. That's the whole point. Right. We should, and and I think those who don't automatically like like I'm sure you've heard like budget being budgeting being boring, right? Oh, budget. Uh, you know, it's such a negative mm-hmm. connotation. And with the work I do, I turn it around. It's forget whatever the word is, but let's go back a step and let's get clear about why we're doing this. What kind, what kind of life do we want to have? Like, 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 let's, you know, make it how we want to make it. And starting there to build a positive view of this part of your life, um, I think is the one thing that definitely sticks out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would be interested to know, because there's a couple of things you mentioned there, and I think it is about headspace and it's about being aware of, I guess, your state at all times and being able to cope for it. And do you feel as though people who maybe have a neurodivergent um, condition, like money is already, it's already complicated, it's already scary. Yes. Is there a possibility that people with those, these types of conditions would feel that actually this is just way too daunting. I, this is the last thing I want to be dealing with because normal people feel like that in, in at the best of times, let alone, when you're aware that actually you don't necessarily process information as well, or you're not quite as confident, do you think that's a, a, an additional barrier for people? So it being, hmm, yes, is my lazy answer. Um, so remember with, with neurodivergence, what we're talking about here is a slight difference in the brain structure, right? And the brain functionality. And some of those symptoms are portrayed as emotional dysregulation, for example, or rejection sensitivity. So this is where, you know, something negative happens. You feel it much more deeply than, say, a neurotypical person. And it's funny, I was just kind of updating my list of articles to write. And one of them was about business. And I know this isn't about business as such. But, for example, if you're trying to generate sales and maybe your business or whatever you're doing requires you to go out and seek sales. Rejection sensitivity might mean that you're not as, you know, happy to go out and possibly be rejected and told no. And then again, of course, going back to finance, that definitely impacts your finance. So yes, I think you're spot on. I mentioned this in a section of my book where I talk about debt. So I spent a lot of time in debt. And in my book, I, I talk about the fact that oftentimes when, when people go to apply for like a credit card or a loan, oftentimes there is there is an already an, a need. So I need this loan. Yeah. I need this credit card because something is already yeah. pressing. And I, re- I, I, I recount a number of times where, and I don't know whether you felt like this, right? Applying for credit cards and credit and, and, and loans and, and personal and overdrafts maybe. It felt like such a big deal. Mm. And it's like, oh, if I get told no, what's, what's going to happen? And even then, I was fearful of that. And Hugh just talking about the fact of, you know, the fear mm-hmm. of rejection, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. If you're already wired with that in yeah. your head, imagine how much bigger that becomes when, 
oh my god uh i need i need to go to a bank to apply for yes. this money you all you must feel it way yes. more than than just a normal person and again i can see how that then means that actually people are like actually yep. no 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 i don't want to deal with this this is the last thing i want you're to you're completely right and and it's it's like you know a lot of my clients are neurodivergent in some in some way not all of them um but some and yeah you know the simple um task of maybe going to your bank and talking to them is is terrifying you know and it's it's a process of getting them to understand that it's just another human that's it just like you exactly the same but you know it's a process and there's more to it in terms of the explanation and understanding but yeah you're spot on the world of finance and money is scary if you're oblivious or you're, you're not educated on what and how things work so then when you have those sensitivities as well it's compounding um, but I say that not as a dead end road because there is a way through and and out of that just because you have dyslexia or ADHD or you are a twist autistic whatever it may be it doesn't mean that oh this is how you handle your finances okay sorry about that no not at all and I say that from experience and the people I've worked with, you know, especially when it's a creative um, ADHD and they're terrified in the first session, they look white in the face because they're so they're so afraid. By session two, they're so excited. They're like, I can't wait to meet you. So there is a way through. And I just wanted to say that because it's easy to have this conversation, just focus on it being, you know, a hindrance and that's it, which is not the case. Yeah. And and thanks for saying that because I think it is really, really important. Like, you know, the, the whole purpose of the podcast is to empower and give information to help you be better. Yeah. And I think with everything, it's about understanding what your situation is and trying to figure out the best way out of it for you based on your circumstances. Yeah. You know, one size does not fit all. And the reason why these kind of conversations are so important is because it might just allow you to think about things differently it might have a light bulb moment that is that moment that epiphany that realization like actually you know what something was said there that's interesting that makes sense for me or actually I know how I can figure this out and long gone are the days where these kind of conversations would be swept underneath the rug and you know never mm -hmm. to be spoken about we've got podcasts like this and shows like this to be able to open up this conversation so again it's just, it's all about encouraging you as viewers as as listeners to you know take the information in and really think about you know how do you put your best foot forward because there will be a lot of um there'll be a lot of tools and coping mechanisms and 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 apps for example that are out there to help you yeah yeah no you're right and i just wanted to just jump back on your question about you know different things that people can do or tools to help them with this stuff and just another one just related to what you said actually understanding how you work I think is key so I have an example of somebody who used to who wanted to save every month and when they we were, you know we went through their finances to identify where were they spending so much money they didn't realize and it was actually when they went out for a drink with their friends drinks were on me they did that although <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> That £200 spend was kind of what their savings amount was supposed to be. So now they've got no savings. Uh -huh. And they did that all the time. And, you know, some of this some of this work is is pretty deep. And it goes under the surface of just, here's your bank account. It's, you know, when we started talking, it was, okay, so why do you do that? What, 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 what do you think is going on there? And we kind of continued talking and we started to see that actually it was about him feeling of value and feeling 
needed and wanted by his friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Like- you know, what? I love that. I loved. I love that example. I absolutely love that example because, <laughs> you know, even if you didn't have a, a neurodivergent condition, yeah. everybody feels like that. I know for a fact when I was in Canary Wharf, there were a matter of times that I've been out with the boys, and it's like, yeah, drinks on me. <laughs> And then the bill comes and you're just like, shit, <laughs> why did I do this? And you're immediately kicking yourself. But bravado, you know, you want to be in with your mates. You want to make new friends. You, you want to be accepted. Like you do those things yeah, on impulse. Yeah, you do. Because again, what, what, like what we're saying, go down some layers. Go beneath the, oh no, I've overspent. Oh, I need to take, or, oh, I've got to use a credit card because I haven't got enough money. I need to buy this. Oh, go beneath that. Why did you get there? What's happening? And then what's the reasons for that happening? And once you tap into that, then you're, you're almost there because then it's like, okay, well, I'm seeking that validation. Okay. Is there another way I can do it that doesn't involve me spending two, three hundred pounds every time I go out for a drink twice a month? Hmm. There are other ways. And actually, now I feel empowered. Actually, when I go out for a drink, no, I don't need to buy you this because now I know why I was doing it and this shouldn't be how. It's a really beautiful epiphany moment, you know, and, and all of us, you listeners can do exactly the same thing, you know, it's entirely. And you, and you're preaching right now and I absolutely love it because again, I cover this in my book as well. Cause I talk, I talk a lot about my own experiences in the book and I talk about, you know, how in Canary Wharf I felt I, I did certain things and I felt as though I needed to fit in. I didn't feel like I belonged there mm. because I didn't have a university yep. degree. And like I was working in a business where a lot of the guys had gone to university. They were very, very posh and there's just me. And I'm like, I don't really fit in here. So you overcompensate because you don't believe that you're that yeah. you belong there on yep. merit. And what that led me to do, and I explained this in the book is, you know, I would then overcompensate in other areas as well around spending and so on and so forth. And it and it did take, right, I've got to journal and find out how mm. I'm spending all of this money. And then what you do, I did, what happened for me was when I was journaling all of this stuff, the pattern emerged. It was when I was around certain mm-hmm. people, which turned into certain days of the week, which in Canary Wolf was a Thursday. So it's like, all right, the boys want to go out. We end up going out. It, it is always one beer to start <laughs> off with. Oh no! But then it turns out to steaks up steak at Boysdale and a glo- bottle of wine, and then maybe back into the city. Then all of a sudden, it starts to ratchet up. I found out that in journal, it was you know places that I yes. used to go. So certain times of the month, if I was at a certain place, I would have an urge. And like you're saying there, understanding what your triggers are are so important because it allows you to then put in right that mechanism that preventive so on a thursday i'll be like actually i'm leaving i'm leaving the office early or i'll be like actually not this yeah. week boys not this week boys and even though you'd have the peer pressure you you know you're sticking to your guns and stuff and it's it's small battles but small battles one essentially win the war and that's what you want you want to win the war at the other end of it and those habits that you that you develop in that process they're repeatable they're transferable and like you're saying it's a it's a really beautiful thing but it's understanding what the issue is at the at the forefront and and just as you described it as well it just made me think you know the the common rhetoric about budgeting and cutting spending and all that stuff is like oh dry boring not fun i'm going to be the party pooper actually when you go through this process trust me you are empowered you're like listen Mm -hmm. i'm doing me I'm a gangster, yeah? I'm going to do what I need to do Mm -hmm. for me because I'm great. 
And, and once you have that reframing in your mind, you can do all that stuff that you thought was difficult, you know, not spending here and actually allocating money here instead and watching your savings, you know, tracking it, watching it grow. It's like after six months, look what I've done. You know, it, it reframes it for you. And then all of a sudden your finances are like hella sexy. <laughs> Just what you want. Exactly. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about, you know, we need to walk out, we need to get out of this um, cycle that we seem to be in, that, if, that peer pressure makes you make decisions. And it's not just peer pressure now, it's also social media, yeah. you know. And I, again, I cover a lot of this in the book mm. and I, I'm going to give away so much of the book here, but <laughs> I, I challenge people to think about the impact of social media mm. and the decision-making process because, you know, when you think about consumerism, a lot of that is driven from peer pressure, social, me social media specifically. Yeah. But being in ownership mm -hmm. of your space, of your mindset, it's so empowering because it gives you that in, inner silence, inner silent confidence it's cool i'm good don't worry about it it's like i don't need to show up i don't need to go out this weekend and blow a load of money it's cool i'm sweet i've got my stuff locked down like i'm on the right path it's just it's very very strange to explain <laughs> but you do get you it. do and oh, i feel like i've been having so many of these conversations recently because that just makes me think of as well kind of to be able to do that you have to believe that you are worthy of that so to believe that you can acquire such assets or, or earn whatever salary or go on holiday a certain number, whatever it is that you kind of secretly desire to do or, or whatever. And for me, and I, I think I shared it on my, my IG today, it's be around those people, you know, be, be around those people that are doing that stuff so you can relate and see that it's possible for you. And that also adds to motivation as to make these changes and then start to dig deep into okay what's what's making me do this stuff that isn't helping um yeah so crystal how do you, uh, the viewers and the listeners find you if they want to find you yeah superstar superstar thanks um you can either find me on my my personal website crystalmcgilbury.com or mind over money which is we are mindovermoney.com uh, and i'm obviously on linkedin instagram all that good stuff Excellent. So I will leave um, links in the show notes if you're listening to this on the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, it will be down in the descriptions below. Um, yeah, go check out Crystal. Really, really good work. Really good peeps as well. I really enjoyed this. And what I will do is um, I'm going to take a di dyslexia test because I'll be interested to know. And I'll let you guys know the results of it on the pod once I've taken it to say, I don't know if it's a yes or a no, I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, I find it challenging sometimes, but it will be interesting if I am in, in busting the myth that you're not good with your, with money. If you have oh, dyslexia, yeah. that would be an interesting conversation. We, we so, uh, yes, that do it. That would be great for people to see. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? But, Watch this space. I'll, I'll try and get a test done over the next uh, few days before the next episode. And um, I'll keep you updated and do an episode specifically about that, whether it's a yes or a no. Um, but guys, I appreciate you for listening and for watching. Remember, money's a tool, life is for living. If you've not ordered the, the book just yet, you can pre-order on Amazon. It is a paperback, it's an ebook, and it's also an audio book. So order whatever tickles your your fancy um the links will be in the show note and the description on youtube down below cheers guys <laughs>